0: There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. I say good morning to everybody in the room, to those of you that are watching online, and those of you that are joining us at our Sunday evening service at 6. I'm so glad that you are here, and uh, I want to welcome everybody. 9.30 was in a bit of a heat coma, and so we're going to have to try and break loose of that. Uh, we're going to talk about a time to love and a time to hate. I'll tell you what I love. I love 68 degrees <laughs> with 56 degrees at night. That's what I love. What I hate is anything above 85 because people in Whatcom County just lose their mind, right? We complain about the rain for nine months of the year and then as soon as it gets hot, guess what we hate? We hate the weather, all right? So we're gonna walk with this together. If you think about it, King Solomon has pretty much covered every season that any of us is gonna face in a lifetime with 14 statements. Let's hear them again through that filter. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die time to plant and a time to uproot, time to kill and a time to heal, time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, last week a time to be silent and a time to speak. This week, a time to love and a time to hate. And next week, a time for war and a time for peace. I get to preach the next two weekends. Yay for me. A time to love and a time to hate. We're one week away from the end of this journey, and that's our focus today. A time to love and a time to hate. Let me tell you some things that I love. I love the joyful sound of my wife's laughter. It makes me laugh. I love the animated voices of my kids on the phone when they call just to say hi to their dad. I love the way my dogs greet me at the door at the end of every single day. I've got a Cavalon and a Cavapoo. I walk up to the door, I open it, and they're both just bouncing like, hey, it's our favorite dog, Dad, in the whole world. We've been waiting for you. This last eight hours it has been absolutely painful, and now we're glad that you're home, and we want to show you by how much vertical we actually have in this moment. I wish more people were like my dogs. I'm just going to say that, okay? (laughs) I love coffee and iced tea. I love a 14-game Mariner win streak. And then it's gone, right? I love the shuttle ride to the airport right before a vacation. I love finishing a home project and checking that box off my list. I love sitting outside on warm summer evenings, and I love working outside my yard. I love the taste of an authentic bowl of Italian spaghetti bolognese. Can I get an amen? Seven of you, thank you. I love the warmth of sunshine I love the sound of rain at night just before I go to sleep and I love it when that sound stops just before I wake up I love the moment when my message is done for the weekend I love bringing you good news anybody need some good news let me share some a few years back at Christ the King we got an opportunity to be a part of a house church planting movement in Thailand it exploded The gospel of Jesus is exploding in Thailand. I want to show you a picture of their latest baptism where they baptized 1,588 new believers in one service. In one service. There it is, right there. Do you see that? Here's another picture as they're getting ready to line up and go into the water. That is absolutely amazing. I love when someone has a brand new encounter with Jesus and their heart just melts no matter how hard it's been in the past. I love watching baptisms. It's a front row seat to life transformation. And I'm praying for all of you that are getting baptized this afternoon at Lake Patton. I love losing myself in the worship of Jesus. And I love Jesus in everything because he saved my life. You know, we all love someone, something, or somewhere. And God says, it's not only good to love, but also to acknowledge that God is the author and the originator of that love, which leads me to a conclusion that is this. Now is the time for God's people to love what God loves. Which prompts a question, what does God love? Well, I don't even have to wonder (laughs) about what God loves because God actually tells us straight out. From Scripture, I'm just going to give you seven of them. Number one, God loves people fill it in with me for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life God loves you he loves me he loves all people we know that right God loves people and he created them to love him in return what else not only does God love people God has a special place in his heart for those who are far from him Romans 5, 8 says, but then God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that just blows me away, that while we were still actively, defiantly pressing back against God's standard, that Christ died for us. I mean, even, even when we're, like, we're far away, drifting from God, or even purposefully denying God his existence or his truth, the love of God continues to pursue Our hearts, God has a special place in his heart for those who are far from him because the Bible tells us his loving heart is not willing to let anyone perish. He wants us all to choose him. Just think about this. When you were or are far from God, he loves you enough to keep seeking after you and finding you. What else? God loves people who earnestly seek him. Let me define that. Earnestly seeking God is to passionately prioritize your relationship with Him to the point where loving Him realigns everything about you. It realigns your value system, your priorities, your thought process, your schedule, your opinions, and even your approach to money. Let me tell you what earnestly seeking God is not. Earnestly seeking God is is not a mealtime prayer in one hour on Sunday. Earnestly seeking God is not throwing His name around like a verbal Phil, I want you to think about this the next time you say, oh my God, do you know who you're talking to? You're referring to the God of the universe. You're also violating one of the commandments, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Earnestly seeking God is to acknowledge there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Earnestly seeking God is to love him in the same way that he loves us. Proverbs 8:17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me Find me. That's a promise. God's not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek with your life. That word tells me if you seek Him, you will find Him. I love that. What else? God loves those who choose the right path. God loves those who come to a season in life that's hard and difficult and choose to stay on a path towards God instead of going their own way. The same guy who wrote Ecclesiastes 3 wrote these words from proverbs he said the lord detests the ways of the wicked but he loves those who pursue righteousness every day you have decisions that need to be made god loves those who choose his way even when it is difficult and when it is challenging god loves those who stay faithful and choose his way and not our way because every time we choose his way there's something beautiful waiting for us on the other side of that obedience you know, Jesus put it this way. He said there's two roads. There's a broad road that leads to destruction, and a lot of people find that one. He also says there's a narrow road that's difficult to walk on because it's narrow, and and according to Scripture, there's very few people that actually find it. So there's a narrow road, and there's a broad road. The reason the narrow road is so difficult is because if you're gonna walk on the narrow road, you've gotta lay down, lay down your life to Jesus fully and completely every single day. You have to submit your will to God. You've gotta love what God loves. Now here's an interesting thing, as human beings often do. Jesus says there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. What do we do? We create a third road. <laughs> we make up our own road. Some people call it the middle of the road. It's the road where you don't share your convictions because it might offend somebody. It's the road uh, uh, of keeping your faith to yourself because you don't want to step on someone's toes. It's the road of don't rock the boat, flex with the culture, be more open to the gods of the culture than the God of heaven, and do just enough to try and keep God happy. Hey, for the record, that lukewarm road is not actually a road. It's the ditch on the side of the road that leads to destruction and it's not what the God of heaven wants for any of his kids. Pick. Narrow road or broad road. The God of love wants you on the narrow road. Here's a couple more things that God loves. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver but he'll still receive from a grumpy one just so we're cool. (laughs) God loves those who obey him. One of our red letter questions for this fall, we're gonna do a whole series on the questions that Jesus asked people when he was here on earth. He's still asking the same questions. But one of the questions that he's gonna ask is why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? God loves those who obey because out of obedience comes joy and satisfaction and contentment. One more, God loves those who treat others fairly psalm 37 reminds us that the lord loves the just the deuteronomy 32 says exactly the same thing the lord loves the just god loves it when his children act justly love mercy and walk humbly with their god so last week i'm out and i'm i'm just one of those mornings couldn't sleep so got up decided i might as well go to work located myself at a coffee shop And I'm watching out the window of the coffee shop and there's a man sleeping on a sidewalk just tucked in beside the entrance of a local business. He's got his sleeping bag wrapped around him. His shopping cart full of earthly possessions is pulled in right behind him. And I got an opportunity to to see something beautiful, sacred, and holy. A college student showed up, pulled up in his car, got out with a hot um, cup of coffee with a lid on it, some food in a paper bag and he walked over and he knelt down beside the man and what I, this is what I loved. He actually took a napkin and he laid it out. It was like he was setting a table. And he put a cup of coffee there and he opened up the food and he, and he, he laid it out so that it was all just beautifully arranged on this napkin. And then he knelt beside the man, spoke something, gently laid his hand on the sleeping bag and started to pray. What was beautiful was at some point, the man in the sleeping bag must have woken up and he actually recognized who the young man was because I saw his hand slide out and he reached over and grabbed a hold of the hand that was placed on the sleeping bag where the young guy was praying and he just grabbed a hold of his hand and held on. It was tender and beautiful and human, and sacred and the love of God was everywhere because Nathan earnestly sought the heart of God by choosing a path that took him close to someone who needed the love of God to be shown and this single cheerful act of generosity wrapped in obedience embodied every single thing that God loves. And I got a front row seat. Amen. I got to see it and Nathan didn't know that anybody else was watching, and it didn't matter, because the entire Trinity showed up in that moment, and the love of God was everywhere. As much as I would love to stay on that side of the coin, the coin of love, we gotta flip it over, because there's more to the wisdom of Solomon because he not only says that there is a time to love, he also says there's a time to hate. And I know some of you are gonna struggle with that word. I struggle with that word. Hate is a very strong word, but it's essential to our conversation today. So we're not gonna retreat. We're gonna do what we always do. We're gonna push in, we're gonna embrace the tension, and we're gonna boldly acknowledge there are parts of life that God hates. And because that's true, like we said at the beginning, now is the time to love what God loves. We're also going to say now is the time to hate what God hates. Stick with me. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19, it's a troubling portion of scripture. We may be uh, tempted. To avoid it and kind of head back to the safety of the love passages right we all would prefer to do that right let's just stay with the love stuff come on grant like like it's hot outside can we just do the love passage and leave it alone we actually can't we're not going to soften the language to make ourselves feel better so let me read to you this passage from proverbs which by the way was written by the same guy who wrote ecclesiastes chapter 3 Solomon says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Let's break them down. I need to reinforce to you that as I read these things, that God says he hates them. He doesn't say that I have a mild disdain for each of these. He doesn't say I'm just somewhat bothered by each and every one of these if my kids get involved in them. He doesn't say that, that there's just something in the pit of his stomach when these things happen to roll around. God actually says that he hates It's a strong word, and God uses it on purpose. So here they they are. God hates haughty eyes or proud eyes. God hates everyone who elevates themselves to a position where they are looking down on someone else. Here is a tough question. How do you view Nathan's friend in the doorway of that business? How do you see him and his humanity? Let's just go there. Do you look down on people of another political persuasion? How about somebody from another socioeconomic strata? How about our dear brothers and sisters in Thailand? Is there anything in you that elevates your eyes to put yourself in a lofty position so that you're just a little bit above someone else? God hates proud eyes. Secondly, a lying tongue. This one stings, doesn't it? When we tryst the truth to fit our narrative, God says he hates it. When we deceive even with good intentions, God says he actually hates it. Why? Because God, in essence, is the truth. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. So when we lie, we violate the heart of God, but it's just so easy, isn't it? I wonder how many of us actually lied this morning. We walked in the door, and some caring and concerning brother or sister walked up and said, how are you doing? And the first thing out of our mouth was, I'm fine. Are you? Are you? And you might be. And if you are, great, right? Give glory to God with the fact that you're fine, but I wonder whether or not somebody in the room would have to say, actually, I'm not fine. I'm troubled, I'm lonely, I'm disillusioned and weary, but I'm gonna lie to you anyway, because that's just what people do in church. Approach, right when we were talking about earnestly seeking God I wonder did you have to lie to yourself to justify what you're not doing in your pursuit of God it was in the comments after the 9:30 service and somebody walked up and said hey grant thanks that hurt <laughs> you're welcome) um, <laughs> God hates a lying tongue. He also hates hands that shed innocent blood. So I'm in another conversation about God's passion for life this week. It keeps coming up over and over and over again. And I like the fact that it keeps coming up over and over and over again because I had to have a powerful human moment with another person. The question was this They said, Grant, why are you Christians so passionate about your opinions on life? And I said, Because it's not an opinion, it's a conviction. It's a conviction that comes from the very heart of God. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. In war, in street violence, in the womb, outside of the womb, in domestic violence, in verbal abuse. I want to remind you, a soul can bleed when ungodly words are spoken. I mean, in every case where an innocent victim bleeds at the hands of another person, God says, I hate that. It's not going to get any easier this next two weeks. This week is a time to love and a time to hate. Next week is a time for war and a time for peace. I get to preach them both. Yay for me. (laughs) Here's another one. God says he hates a heart that devises wicked schemes. When a human heart plans to take advantage of someone else for their own gain, God says, "I, I hate that. When you use the God-given creativity that God gave you to pad your own pocket, push somebody else down, or steal somebody else's dream, God says, "Mm, no. Here's another one. God says he hates feet that are quick to rush into evil. One translation, I thought this was great, says this, God hates people who just easily slide towards evil inclinations. We're gonna talk about that in the James series. That's what's coming next. I'm gonna take you into an introductory lesson on bass fishing, even though I know nothing about bass fishing at all. Because the Bible says that, that we are lured away when something zips in front of us and entices us to come out, and we're gonna talk about the fish that comes out sees that lure, doesn't know it's actually a lure, and before they know it, it's in the boat, in the fry pan, and gone, because they just stepped into evil as if it was natural this mindset of sliding towards evil inclinations it sounds like this I know I shouldn't so what I'm going to do is just push up against this boundary as much as I possibly can in fact I'm actually going to find out if the boundary flexes and then given an opportunity to just do what I want to do with who I want to do it I'm going to step across willfully because God is not the boss of me that's what this is describing Solomon is saying God hates a lack of restraint that says there's a path to evil and I'm pretty good taking it. Here's another one, God hates a false witness who pours out lies. Let's simplify that. God hates slander, which means when you say something against another brother or sister and it's baseless, at one level it's gossip, at another level it's slander, and God says he hates them both. When we elevate our own rightness and look down on someone else to the point where our indictment of them comes pouring out of our mouth and then we begin to rally people against them, God says, I hate it when that happens. There's another piece to this one that is about to happen. So I don't know if you've seen this or not, but we're about to enter another election cycle. Yay, yay. And you're going to begin to see an uptick of people on Instagram or TikTok, and they're going to be saying things like this, God told me that on a certain date at a certain time, this was going to happen because this is God's will people are going to be using things like that to try and gain favor or gain allegiance in some way at the very least they're trying to promote some fear-mongering and then this is what happens what they say that God told them is going to happen doesn't actually happen and then nobody says anything and no one holds them accountable can I tell you something when God says something it comes to pass When it's a person's opinion and it doesn't happen and people have espoused the name of God as that authority, when that doesn't happen, God says, I hate that. Here's one more. A witness who pours out lies and then a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Oh boy. Has anyone noticed that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the strife makers? Have you noticed that he never said, blessed are the drama makers or the conflict creators? Did you notice that Jesus never said, blessed are those who pit brother against brother and sister against sister? No, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, I look back over the last three years where some believers actually divided over a piece of cloth and I read this scripture and I go, ah, God says he hates when we intentionally divide the body. And Jesus was so strong when he said this. He actually prayed this. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This family has to stay together. We can disagree on things. The one thing we will not disagree on is the supremacy of Jesus and the value of the Word of God. Those two things we will hold on to because that's all we have. That's a heavy list of stuff, isn't it? It's kind of like you can just feel it in the room. And after talking through all of that, can I actually tell you something that I love? I love that God lists off the things that he hates, that at some level, let's be honest, we've all participated in. And if you say, I have never done any of those things, pastor, I'll refer you back to the haughty eyes part at the top of the list. But even though God lists off all of those things that all of us have participated in at some level and instead of condemning us he says if you confess your sin i will be faithful and just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness when we come back to god asking for forgiveness with sincere repentance and confession i love the fact that god says i can wipe that slate clean You know why that's possible? Because God loves forgiveness and God loves grace and God loves mercy. So I want you to just stop for a moment and I want you to ponder two questions. And let's not have haughty eyes or a lying tongue right now. Let's just have an honest assessment of where we truly are so that we can invite the Holy Spirit to prompt us in a different direction. Here are the questions do I love what God loves? And secondly, do I hate what God hates? Because if we can see or say that the answer to both of those questions is yes, there should be some evidence of that fact. Do I love what God loves? Do I hate what God hates? Solomon says there's a time to love and a time to hate. There'll be times when we're gonna have to move with discernment back and forth. I know as a believer, I I need the Holy Spirit's help when I'm navigating the things that God hates because I'll tell you what, I don't tend to hold those things very well. My mouth gets me in trouble. That's why right before this, Solomon said there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. You see the correlation there? Before we get ready to wrap up today, let's go back to to Nathan for a moment. In loving what God loves, Nathan was also hating what God hates. Loving God, I don't wanna soften this, means we hold a powerful hatred towards everything that would offend the God that we love to the point where we're actually compelled to get involved. You know why I loved what happened with Nathan, First of all, there was the humanity, and there was the compassion, and there was the beauty of just someone helping, unasked, another human being. I loved all of those things, but here's what I loved even more. Nathan refused to get stuck at good intentions. He didn't just tip his cap to all of the things that God loves. He didn't just wave to all of the things that God hates. No, something inside of him was triggered by the fact that the Bible says that the love of God compels us. We're compelled to get involved. We're compelled to offer a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to someone who's thirsty. We're compelled to have a farm so that we can feed people in Whatcom County. We're compelled to do recovery classes and counseling sessions because we want people to be healed and restored and whole. We're compelled to not just give this kind of stuff lip service, but to actually say, it's gonna change the way I live. Why? Because what Nathan did, that's what Jesus would have done. And in some supernatural, beautiful, sacred sort of a way, scripture says, whatsoever you have done to the least of these, you did to me. As much as Nathan was serving a fellow brother who was deserving of worthy honor and respect, he was also doing exactly the same thing to Jesus in that second. He was loving Jesus, serving Jesus, feeding Jesus. Why? Because he fell in love with God loves Amen. And he hated what God hates. And that just welled something up inside of him that said, I'm gonna take my Tuesday morning, I'm gonna go to a coffee shop, I'm gonna buy some basic food items and a hot cup of coffee, and I'm gonna go and lay it out. I'm gonna go set a table because that's exactly what Jesus would do. So. Summertime church is supposed to be just light, happy, and warm, and funny, right? Sometimes summer church just needs to keep going with exactly what God's word says. So as the hourglass is almost run out, I'm gonna give you 60 seconds of silence just like we did last week. And I'd like you to ponder and answer these two questions between you and the God of the universe. Do you love what God loves? Do you hate what God hates? And is there any evidence to show that? 60 seconds so you can have a conversation with God. I'll keep time so you don't have to Let's pray together right now. Father God, thank you for meeting us in the moments when we have to truly do a spiritual gut check. Lord, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that we would not be shamed by our answers, but that we would use our answers as fuel as your love compels us to become involved in a world where we can love like God loves. And we can also hate what God hates. God, as the sand has dripped through the hourglass, we realize the time is moving ahead. Lord, may we redeem the time because of your great love for us, and may we choose to partner with you in obedience as we press back against everything that you say you hate. God, may all of this work begin in our own hearts and lives today, and may you get all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything today, there'll be a prayer team up here at the front. If you're online, you can go to prayer.ctk.church. The hourglass says that we are done, but in truth, when it comes to a time to love and a time to hate, I think we're just beginning. May God bless you and go with you as you live out his purpose this week. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.